Welcome back, everybody, to Tailgates and Turnovers, the official film crew college football podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, joined again by Bennett. Bennett, how you doing on this Thursday night, my man? It's good. It's a, a little bit of a late start, but we're uh, that's okay. We're yeah, there's we're, games on, so we're making it through. We got so, we got some G5 action and Thursday night football going on, so uh, we got we got some things to occupy our time. But uh, looking ahead to this week 12 slate honestly not too great um this is the uh this is the secs is a little mini buy that they give for themselves every every year before rivalry weekend and uh yeah quite a few yeah. other schools are following suit <laughs> no reason to play a tough opponent before your uh, rivalry game anymore it's no. just the way the world yep don't don't blame them but you know there shouldn't be a whole lot of uh, movement, let's say, in the rankings after this week, I would imagine. Yeah, there, there's a couple that I'm pretty worried about, I mean, to be honest. But uh, I mean, we, we can still see a pretty big shakeup, I feel like, up near the top. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit here. Uh, first, yeah. just going through some news. Uh, this actually just broke about an hour or two ago from Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic. Um, apparently... A group of 11 athletic directors, and which represent all 10 FBS conferences and independents, came up with a proposal for a new governing board for the FBS. So uh, just looking through some of the proposals that she lined, some of the parts of the proposal that she lined out, um, it would establish an FBS football governing board, which would be made up of officials appointed by the conferences, one AFCA rep, which is the American Football Coach Association, and four independent appointments, at least two of which would be student-athletes who graduated within the past three years. So having some younger blood on the governing board, which honestly I like that as a concept. Like you need some some people who have recently played the sport. Yeah, I remember uh, back when Kirk was at Michigan State, he like went and talked in front of like the whole NCAA or whatever it was. He was like the – NCAA football student president or whatever they called it at the time. Yeah. So it's probably probably guys like that. Um, yeah, I would imagine so. And you, you need guys like that to be able to kind of speak, for, not necessarily speak for the players, but at least so that they have a voice on that board. Yeah, like who else would it be this year? Like who's the who's the guys? Uh, this year? Um, I mean, if we're talking about guys who would be coming out this year, you could see CJ Stroud being one of those guys, or not CJ Stroud. Well, yeah, CJ Stroud, but like Bryce Young, even. Um, fair, fair to be like the, uh, like I forget his name from Florida State, but he was like a Rhodes Scholar. Like those kind of guys would be the ones that would probably be sitting on the board. Yeah, not like the top, the top guys. Yeah, that's true. So quite a few Northwestern grads, some Vandy yes, guys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the G- Stanford. The GP- the GPA boosting schools in the conferences, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, regardless of where they come from, they they're playing the game, and they they should be able to get kind of a fresh perspective that we're not necessarily seeing from some of the older uh, officials there. But in terms of what this board would have jurisdiction on, it sounds like it's everything that isn't related to either academics or student athlete financial aid stuff or things that are materially impacting the NCAA, which is kind of a broad category, admittedly. But I would assume assume that that covers things like NIL, player compensation, and stuff like that. Uh, That stuff would still be dealt with by the the Board of Governors. So um, just a couple things that it could cover. uh, Things like rules on playing time, so like redshirting regulations maybe, um, the size of rosters, recruiting calendar even so if they want to move up signing days or like you know narrow down a, a recruit or you're, even they could make this uh have jurisdiction over like the transfer portal i was gonna say like, could that affect like a like a transfer window type deal yeah yeah that, I remember when we talked about that at some point yeah having like a set window would be really nice so that i it sounds like in theory that that's something that it could cover there but um also health and safety issues. So you could see stuff. I don't know if it, that would necessarily mean like, you know, how penalties are applied. So like, I don't know if that would mean like taking another look at the targeting or anything like that, which I know that's a pretty controversial, uh, controversial penalty, controversial policy that the NCA has right now. So, I mean, maybe they would have the ability to take a look at that. So 
not as far reaching as I think some would like, myself included. Um, the NCAA has kind of not really shown itself to be competent when dealing with things like NIL or with uh, student, you know, financial aid stuff. So the less they can be involved in that, the better. So, I mean, I, I would have liked this board to have a little more power, but, you know, as a stepping stone, I think it's a good start. It's a good start, like you said. Yeah. Um, another thing that this would do is it would create a new position, uh, a, C a chief operating officer, COO, to run the sport on a day-to-day -day basis who would report to this board. Um, so, I mean, I think it's less of a – I don't think it's going to be as much of like a commissioner of football, though it's probably going to be the closest thing to it that we would have. Um Sounds like they would still be just beholden to this board, though, and then, you know, subsequently to the NCAA, which I don't think this board is, like, separating from the NCAA. Um, and according to the article for liability issues, they're still going to stay under that umbrella as well. So um, just setting up a different bureaucracy to handle this. So if they're not breaking away from the NCAA, what are what's their goal? Like... Well, I mean, so this these are the athletic directors proposing this. So if the NCAA says no, then maybe they could use this as a reason for trying to foment a full break from the NCAA. Um, I mean, it's a pretty reasonable proposal, honestly. Yeah, and there's, I mean, at the end of the day, there's no reason for the NCAA anymore with the way everything's moving. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. It's, right now, it's just help of structure and scheduling like at the end of the day well yeah and like the ncaa is not doing themselves any favors when they're basically just taking their ball and going home when they're not getting their way like if they would have actually been proactive on you know helping to providing an off-ramp for some of this stuff then you know maybe we'd have a reason to keep them around but like as of right now for football it just doesn't really make sense to have them involved are there even like do they even invest investigate people anymore like i think they i mean they just wrapped up their investigation of Tennessee, I think. Um, I don't know if there have honestly been any new allegations, though. Like, Are, are, are people, like, scared of them anymore, though? Oh, <laughs> that's I highly, I highly doubt I mean. that. Yeah. I, that Marshall might be the reason Law. why. The, yeah, I mean, and that might be part of the reason that there haven't been any, like, allegations against anybody, really. Because, like, why even bother? Yeah, I, I think Tennessee, uh, they got, they looked out. Like, if this was 10 years ago, there would have been big trouble. <laughs> Yeah, well, in Tennessee, like, they wanted – they, they self-reported. Like, they snitched on themselves to get rid of, yeah. you know, the previous guy. And, like, they they got what is probably a fair punishment for that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. right now, the less the NCAA is involved, the better, honestly. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. But uh, we'll see how that goes going forward. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some pushback from the NCAA on this because they – don't like change in the first place. Um, so we're just going to have to keep an eye on it and see what happens in terms of a response here. But uh, in other news, the SEC is looking at their uh, conference realignment here within their conference. Apparently, Greg Sankey has proposed a single division in the SEC, which, like, there's basically no division. I was going to say there's no division then. It's yeah. just, you're just one conference. Yeah, and apparently, like, that would not include pods, which that I don't get it. Like, I do not understand that decision at all. I think maybe the best way to do this is to, like, have a uh, a lottery draw. Like, you have your, your two or three every year and then just a lottery draw. Yeah. Like, uh, like English soccer, I guess. <laughs> like, that's the best yeah. way. Like, I. I feel like anything is probably better than the current system where you have schools that haven't played each other for like, you know, 10 years, but yeah. like it just felt like pods were the best met the best path forward because you could keep those rivalries and then you would just be able to rotate every few years. So you would play everybody before you graduated or before you entered the draft. So going to the single division, it's just, it seems like a pretty big shift from what it seemed like was the leading idea there. Um, yeah. Not sure how I feel about it, honestly. Yeah, I'm still uh, wanting this one simmer. I haven't decided. I, I actually don't mind it that much. Like, it'll yeah, I get, get... it'll rotate the opponents in more. Yeah, I just I feel like I need to hear a little bit more about the actual proposal instead of just what we saw. Which like it's coming from very from credible sources, so I don't think it's not true. But like, I just want to hear a little bit more about what the the structure would actually be. I guess. 
Yeah, I, I agree. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like we were talking about, I think Ohio State and Iowa earlier this year, like they hadn't played each other in like six or seven years. And yeah, that's like, that's crazy. Yeah, and then like A and M and Georgia, I think, are the two in the SEC where like they haven't played since A and M first joined or something like that. Yeah, they've definitely played since they joined, but it's been a. Yeah, I think it's been like two or three years. It hasn't been that long. Oh, okay, maybe it was a different school then, but like there was something where it was like they hadn't played each other. Maybe it was like they hadn't played at one of the stadiums in that long or something. But yeah, yeah. it's a, it, it just we'll see. We'll see what happens there because obviously mm-hmm. that's not the final proposal. But you know, if if the commissioner's report or uh, the commissioner is the one that's proposing it, then that might be the one that has the most traction right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we have a second cheese it bowl because we needed that apparently. Um, the original cheese it bowl remains the same, but now the citrus bowl has been purchased for their naming rights by the by Nabisco. Is that who owns Cheez Its? Probably. Uh, uh, yes, I think so. Yeah. So uh, it is now the Cheez It Citrus Bowl. So uh, just think about that taste for a second. Just let that kind of <laughs> work its way around. Uh, both games are also in Orlando, which. You know, just in case we needed to clear up any confusion there, uh, which bowl game that teams are actually playing in. This just seems like poor marketing. Yeah, like, I, think I think there's like five bowls in Orlando and like yeah. a, a week and a half, two weeks span. But it's like I get wanting to go to the, like Orlando, though. Like, I don't know. But the fact that it's two Cheez-It Bowls both playing in Orlando, like it's like when you see multiple of a fast food franchise like right across the street from each other the same franchise or like you see that with like Starbucks a lot. Um, Quick trip and racetrack down here. Yeah. You'll see one. Yeah. You'll see one literally like just like a quarter mile down the street. It's like, what, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Gas stations, um, Home Depot and Lowe's always. Yeah. Almost directly across the street from each other. Yeah. Um, I actually had up around me. There were actually like two Chick-fil-A's just like you could see them from the other one is like just absolutely pointless. Yeah. But, uh, got to ask the big question that people are asking, what's your favorite cheese? It cheese. So hand up was never a big cheese. It guy, uh, growing up. So not cheese. It's goldfish was I just, wasn't the biggest fan of those. I, I, I mess with the pretzel goldfish a lot. Yeah. I like the pretzel. Like, goldfish. I, the, pretz, the pretzel goldfish were pretty good, but I like original cheese. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a purist, I guess, when it comes to cheese. It's like I'll definitely have some have some original cheese. It's now I just I don't branch out a whole lot when it comes to those. I like the uh, the extra toasty ones, just a little more crisp. They're almost like pretzels, basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, I wouldn't mind those. And then um, uh, there's the the white cheddar one or the parmesan, whatever they are. I don't, I don't like those too much. Yeah, I don't think I've had the parmesan ones. I I feel like I might have had the extra toasty ones, but yeah, that's probably about as far. It's just not my jam. No, I, I get it. I try not to eat too much of that stuff. Yeah. Never woke up feeling the cheesiest. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what's the, what, what's the Outback Bowl now? Uh, it's something that I, we got, we're going to have to. Yeah. This, yeah. uh, with all the bowl renaming going on, uh, it's just who knows the rely quest bowl. Like that's yeah. what the Outback Bowl is now, which I don't know. Don't know what rely quest even is. But I'm assuming it's an insurance company of some kind. It sounds like the name of well, an insurance was, company. It was whenever the, the Gator Bowl became the Tax Slayer Bowl. I'm like, come on, yeah. guys. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I saw that. Outback had been the sponsor for like 15 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, know, so. 25. Yeah, so ReliantQuest is a cybersecurity company based in Tampa. So at least it's a local company that's doing it. Like that, I guess that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, new name gonna ha- gonna take some getting used to there. That's one. That's a bowl that Notre Dame might actually end up playing itself into, depending on how the season goes out goes down. So um, that's been one of the ones floated by the beat writers there. So gonna have to keep an eye on that one. What the the Outback Bowl? Yeah. Oh, that's um, that's usually Big Ten SEC. Or no, it's the uh, the Gator Bowl, whichever. Yeah, yeah. That one's uh, the tax label at, at large versus SEC yeah. usually. Yeah, so that'd be kind of weird. Like, it's yeah. God, if they ended up playing like LSU or something like that, that would be different. No, I, I don't think it, that happened. Yeah, I don't. 
I feel like LSU would probably get the Sugar Bowl, though, now if they lose to Georgia in the SEC championship, right? It depends on if Tennessee gets it or not. Oh, shit, that's right, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, man, that would just absolutely suck playing Tennessee in the, in the Gator Bowl. Oh, God. Yeah. No, no, I, I think it depends on if Tennessee gets into the playoff. Because if they do Oh. Well, where's, where's the playoffs this year? I think one's the Peach Bowl, right? Yeah, one is the Peach Bowl and then the Fiesta Bowl, I think. Yeah, so that Fiesta Bowl is always just two at-large teams, if I remember right. Yeah, we had, yeah, because last year it was no game. Twelve at large. No, because uh, um, Oklahoma State made it last year. Pac twelve yeah. is always the uh, the Rose. Rose Bowl. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. yeah, the um, Sugar Bowl is always Big Twelve SEC. Mm-hmm. Cotton Bowl is. Uh, I we'll we'll come to that when it's time. Like yeah, we still got a couple weeks yet before we need to start worrying about who's who's got the matchups here, but. Um, yeah. Yes, uh, speaking of the SEC and some SEC teams here, uh, last thing for news, Lane Kiffin apparently got a contract offer, which, uh, given all the smoke coming out about Lane to Auburn, is not super surprising. Uh, Makes one wonder if some of that smoke was generated by the Lane Kiffin camp to gin up some support for a contract extension. If I was an agent, it's it's exactly what I would have done. So, yeah, I mean, smart. Yeah, and and honestly, it could be very real too. Like that's the thing is, like you never know, especially when the stuff doesn't pan out. It can always sound like it was made up, but there is a very real chance that Auburn was very much in on Lane Kiffin. So um, we'll see no, what the uh, uh, supposedly it's now. It's like, well, will Auburn try and spend even more money to uh, try to? Yeah, they just keep on uh, calling, calling, and raising each other. <laughs> I mean, it's it's turned into one of those things. Like if you want a good coach, you're just gonna have to pay. Yeah. If or at least prove, a, an experienced coach. Yeah. Yeah. If you want a proven guy that you're gonna have to you're gonna have to back up the bring truck for him. So if he's top ten, uh, do you think he'll James Franklin's eighth? Do you think he'll make more than James Franklin? Yes. What about Ryan Day? He's ahead of him. Ryan Day, no. Um Jimbo's I, right ahead of Ryan Day. Well <laughs> and Mel Tucker's right. ahead of Jimbo. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they're feeling really good about that right now. Um, yeah, I feel like Lane. Oh, shit. Well, if they're ahead of him, maybe to pull him away, maybe it would end up being more than Ryan Day. I don't know if it should be more than Ryan Day. Well, but, I think uh, I think he's also due for an uh, extension at some point. But honestly, I think, if he doesn't win one, I don't know if he's going to get it. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, they have a they have not performed well in the. Uh, in terms of winning a national championship. Like that's the thing when the standards are the, are so high, when you're like in Ohio state, like they've made the playoff multiple times. They've made the national championship a couple times, but it still just feels like a failure because of the amount of talent they have. And because of the fact that they do keep losing like that. So yeah, maybe, maybe Dave's not the guy. Maybe they go for, I don't know, sniping fickle or maybe they try to go big game hunting themselves. Yeah, it feels like Fickle has always been just waiting. The air parent, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they Cincinnati paid him, so. They did. Not not top ten like this, but. I don't for know. Cincinnati, Cincinnati. For Cincinnati. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if Cincinnati can swing that kind of cash, but. Uh. So, uh, I, I, I've got, uh, they actually have Wayne Kiffin on here right outside the top ten. Okay. So Mike Gundy's at ten at seven point five, and then they have Wayne and uh, Billy Napier both make seven point two seven. So yeah, I mean, if Auburn's trying to pry him away, then they are probably going to have to pony up and pop him maybe into that top five area. Yeah, he's going to have to get close to ten. Yeah, like I would Brian, Brian Kelly money, basically. Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, it, and that's the thing when you're prying these coaches away instead of like signing to an extension, like you have to pony up a little bit more because you have to move these coaches out of where they are and all that, all that other kind of shit. So it's crazy how much money's getting thrown around at coaches. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd rather live in Auburn or Oxford. They're both pretty nice, but they're, they're small. Yeah. That's uh, that's your a lot of move for not too much of a lifestyle upgrade. It feels like. Imagine if he just goes to Auburn and then just it's, it's like, um, Lincoln Riley, where everyone just went with him. Oof. Well, supposedly, that, um, I heard I heard Leonard is having huge problems in Wisconsin. It's just like every week, like people are just like trying to pry players away. He's basically having to like spend all of his time recruiting his own players right now instead of yeah. recruiting. So 
Well, it's tough. I mean, when you're a brand new coach taking over in the interim, like you are going to be ripe for sniping and not only like members of your current team, but like your recruiting class. Like you see that going on with, with Miami, with even Michigan state, maybe just with like with these and A&M, like that's probably the most high profile one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to recruit your own players, especially like going back to A&M, like, you just brought in the best recruiting class of all time. You've got to figure out a way to keep those guys on your on your team. Uh-huh. Um, I doing it right now. Imagine if they lost this weekend. Oh man, there, there's <laughs> no way. There's no way they lose to UMass. Like, there's not. That class would implode. Though. Like, that yeah. program might implode if they lose to UMass. He he'd get left. Like, I mean, like not left. He, they'd probably put him on a helicopter and leave him somewhere. He'd get. He just on the just leave him at the field. No, I'm probably just have a heart attack and the curse. Pulley Urban. Yeah, no, not uh, like that. Oh man, yeah, but I mean, this lane contract, like, it's going to be big. It might. It is probably more than what a coach with his track record deserves. But that's just the way it is right now with college football with coaching searches. Probably the kinda, probably probably the best play caller in all of football. So I mean, he probably deserves it. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, think I mean, he, he's, I think he's probably waiting for the Bama job. I would imagine that one is very appealing to him. Yeah, probably yeah, not one. But another one, probably. But yeah, I mean, that's about it for news. Nothing. Not there's some other little minor things that happen here and there, but nothing really that had a has some larger impact here. But. uh Something that did happen uh, since the last time we were on was the CFP rankings that got released. Just going to go through the top 13 here because 13 kind of felt like the cutoff for teams that had a shot. Um, So number one, Georgia, completely expected. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Michigan. Personally, I would have those two flipped, but realistically, it's going to take care of itself next week. Uh, And then number four, TCU, which glad they – I mean, obviously, you got to recognize a win over a top 25 program like they had, and especially one in which the biggest question mark for TCU, which was their defense, absolutely clamped down. Mm-hmm. Then we got Tennessee at five, LSU at six, and USC at seven, Alabama eight, Clemson nine, Utah 10. Then we have Penn State, Oregon, and North Carolina rounding out the rest of the top 13 there. I'm just going to say it. I think Bama might be a tad high, but it's t- like it's tough because they have good wins now. Like especially the, like the Ole Miss win was a good win, but it still feels like they're just not quite where they usually are. So it's just tough seeing them still with a reasonable shot to make the playoff here. Yeah, I mean uh like I said, they've, they've been it feels like they're trying to get them in there. Just trying to but, get the uh, narrative. It's like, well, we never dropped them out of the top ten, so we always felt like they had a shot. They got they got two teams ahead of them that they lost to, and then another team at the very top that beat one of those teams. So I I think they'll get jumped regardless, just with uh, conference championships and stuff like that. If it yeah. comes down to that, yeah, I mean, the ACC champ is behind them, whoever it ends up being, and I feel like they are going to end up jumping Alabama for sure. Yeah, exactly. I, but I still don't even know if they make it over a one-loss Tennessee. So, yeah. So let's talk about that, honestly. So, I mean, we've—I think we've kind of set up a nice little tier system for what the playoff situation is like for these teams. Um, so it's four categories. It's going to be winning in, knocking on the door, need a little help, and then need a miracle. Um, so let's just start with the in, with the win and end teams. It's going to be Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. Pretty self-explanatory. Those teams are all undefeated. If you win out with your schedule and you win your conference championship, you are going to make the playoff. So obviously only three of those four teams can do it, but for each individual team, like you have to be able to win out to get this done. Yeah, sorry. Um, what other conference championships are set besides – is it just the SEC and ACC are set? 
I think it's just the SEC and ACC. Yeah, the Pac-12 is not set. The Big 12 is not set yet. And the Big 10 West is definitely not set. Yeah, okay. All right, just making sure. Yeah, um, so. Yeah, so there's no way Bama's getting it. It's just not possible. I, I, I don't think so either. But God damn need, it, the committee's need, not trying to help them out. They need TCU to lose two. They need Tennessee to lose another one. Which Probably not. They need USC to lose another one, and they need the they need what the they need the ACC champ to drop a game before the conference championship. They need they need NC State to beat North Carolina next week, and then UNC to beat Clemson. Basically, yeah, that's right. yeah, that's their only path at this point. So, uh, Bama not you know going to spoil or anything, but they're in the uh, need a miracle tier at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Not really seeing a, a realistic shot for that to happen. But this winning in tier, I feel like, is pretty self-explanatory. It's the undefeated teams right now. If you win out, you're in. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it at the end. Even when it comes down to Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, so. I mean, who who knows which team it is going to end up actually being. But God, I I still think it's going to be Michigan, honestly. But it's uh, – I don't, I don't think it's going to be – a blowout by any means. So that, that one will be fun to watch. But uh, the next category is knocking on the door. And this is, this is just a weird tier because these are two teams that don't necessarily need help, but at the same time they do like it's, it's university of Tennessee and USC like USC can win out. And then they would, if they win out, they have three ranked teams in a row that they are beating en route to a PAC 12 championship. And they have the chance to have another top 25 win if Oregon State manages to claw its way back in. Like, they, the tail end of their schedule has ended up actually being pretty decent. So, like, I just don't know if I think that they're better than Tennessee. Um, like, that's, that's my issue. Hypothetically, if LSU beats Georgia – sorry, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, like, doing math in my head right now. So, it's not working out well. Yeah. But, like, I feel like USC probably needs TCU to lose in order to have a good shot at the playoff because they the fact that they're putting Tennessee still two spots ahead of USC tells me that they think Tennessee is the better team. They got better wins. They do. At the end, at the end of the day. Yeah, they do. And if we're being real, I don't think they're going to win out. Uh, TCU, no. This week's um, a little sketchy. and then just... No, no, no. USC, sorry. Oh, me either. No, they've got yeah. three tough games in a row, no matter who it is. Yeah. So, but Tennessee, like they, they don't have tough games to close out this season, so they, they could pretty much coast and still have an eleven and one record here. Um, and they're going to be the first, like they're either going to be the first team out or the last team in at this point. So I saw this question. Um, I don't know where it was. I think maybe on CFB, right at CFB. They're like, what is the committee going to do to make sure Tennessee isn't the four seed so they don't play Georgia That's first? the thing. Like, TCU would have to lose. Yeah, which I think they probably lose one in these yeah. next couple weeks. Probably. I think, so. I think so, too. And then you could justify putting Tennessee over, like, especially if, uh, if USC drops one, you could justify putting Tennessee over North Carolina or Clemson, whichever one of those two ends up winning. Yeah. Uh, so that, that that would put them at the three seed, but then Michigan, like, that's the thing, though. Like, so this this is where I was at earlier. I mean, barring some miracle, if LSU beats Georgia in the game, the championship game, if LSU beats Georgia, like, it's gonna bust shit wide open. Do they do they hop Tennessee because they got smoked by Tennessee? They did. You could you could make the argument that that was before LSU kind of found its footing. Yeah, I think the Florida game was a big turning point. Yeah. So, I mean, you could definitely – I mean, if you beat the team that beat this – like, if they beat Georgia, they beat the team that beat the team that beat the shit out of you. So, I mean, it's transitive property of avenging your loss, I guess. But I would put them in over Tennessee. Like, if they, they finished hot, like, arguably as hot as you could get for – for a program, um, I would put them in. I don't know if I would. They would probably be the four seed. Tennessee would be the three seed in that situation, um, or you know, just some 
some version of that. But I, I think LSU should be in if they went out. Can so we could have three SEC teams. We could. I don't think we will, but we could. Uh, yeah, don't like say don't USC loses one, TCU loses one or two. I think TCU probably loses two, right? To make that happen. Yeah, I would say so. Especially if they lose one, like if they lose one of these, like if they lose to Baylor and then they end up playing Baylor in the Big Twelve Championship, which I think is still a possibility, and they win, they can avenge that loss. Like they, they will be back in, in my opinion. Okay. So it's just tough, um, but yeah, Tennessee and USC are knocking at the door. USC, they just need a hair of help, really. Like not not as much as these next couple teams. So LSU, Clemson, and UNC are the teams in the need a little help category. Um, one of those Clemson or UNC is going to be the ACC champ, but it's obvious that the committee does not really put a whole lot of stock in the ACC this year. And for good reason, I would say they had a lot of underperforming teams this year. Yeah, I think that's about right. So, I mean, they would definitely need TCU to drop one. I think that one kind of speaks for itself. Um, the game is obviously going to sort itself out between Ohio state and Michigan. Um, and shit, honestly, a one-loss Michigan might still make it in over Clemson or North Carolina. But they, honestly, then, like, where are Michigan? Michigan's best win is probably, what, Penn State? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and then UNC or Clemson, like, their best win is going to be each other. So it depends on how how far those two teams drop with each other. So, I mean, it's, it would be a pretty comparable schedule, honestly. Yeah, Michigan ain't played nobody. No. That, um, that out-of-conference schedule was cheeks. Yeah, um, Pac-12's completely completed the circle of suck. They've all yeah. beat they've all beat each other. Yeah, USC. Yeah, I mean, God, yeah, Utah beating USC. That was a crazy game too. Like that was a very emotional game. It was in it was in Salt Lake City. Like USC could avenge their loss and get in if they ended up beating Utah in the Pac the Pac-12 championship. Which apparently the divisions don't are still existent, but don't matter for the. Uh, for the conference championship, because I mean, everything I'm hearing is talking about pl- possibly playing Utah in the com- in the conference championship. So they still have the north south. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the, 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 the divisions still exist, I think, but I don't think they just they just don't matter. So Pac-12 is in good shape. That throws a that throws a wrench in everything. Yeah. All right. Whatever. So. Yeah, anyway, LSU, though, I mean, they're the third team in that category, and we just kind of talked about them a little bit. If they win out, they probably need a little bit of help there, but uh, they by winning out, they would put themselves in prime position to possibly hop Tennessee there and, and make it in. So um, don't need as much help as these next four teams who are in the need a miracle category. Uh, that would be Alabama, Utah, Penn State, Oregon. Basically, all these teams would need the top teams to drop at least one game, more likely two. Um, Oregon is probably just straight up in the out category now with that loss to Washington. And Penn State also probably just like straight up out between the losses to Michigan and Ohio State. So Utah and Bama are really the only uh, the only two that can do it. But even that, they they just need so much help that it's not feasible. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Utah can even do it. No, or Bama. So, I, I think I think these guys are just done. Yeah, I would agree. But I, it is kind of crazy that we've still got like nine teams this far in that can feasibly like get in. Like, yes, you don't, you don't need to do a ton of talking yourself into putting these teams in the playoff, which I think is really good for the sport overall. Absolutely, it's really good. Yeah, so. Be interesting to see how things shake out over the next two weeks. Rivalry week obviously is going to see quite a bit of movement with a few of these teams playing each other. Uh, but let's look ahead at the slate for this week. And we'll start with the game that's actually going on right now, which is Tulane. Don't even talk about it. It's bad. Beating the shit out of uh, SMU. Wow. It was 28 to 7 at halftime, and it is now 42 to 7. So, uh, Tough, tough break for the Mustangs there. Um, yeah, Tulane, second best G5 team right now after UCF. So uh, they they have a pretty tough stretch though. So it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, they can finish out. I gotta look this up. They've only got two hundred and eighty five yards. They must have scored a couple defensive touchdowns. 
No defensive touchdowns. They must have just had like really good returns, like getting them close. Okay. Dang. Yeah, they got yeah, 93 passing yards and like less than 200 rushing yards. They got 42 points. Okay. All right. Whatever. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something. So yeah, uh, Tulane looks like they're going to win this one pretty comfortably here. So uh, moving on to the Saturday slate. On ABC at noon, we've got Illinois at number three, Michigan, who are 18-point favorites. Uh, Illinois has a pretty decent defense that could that does play well against run-heavy teams. What what do they have to do to win this game? Uh, Chase Brown needs, like, like, five touchdowns. and Yeah, Chase Brown just needs to have a Heisman game, and Blake Corham needs to be stuffed by that defense. Um it's, it's not going to happen. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're 18 yeah. point favorites for a reason. It's uh, Michigan has not played down to the level of its competition for more than a half, really. So I just, I don't think this is going to be even close. So um, the point total is 40 and a half, which with the weather being what it is this, this weekend, uh, you could see it, but it feels like a pretty low total for offenses that have proven that they can score. So, I mean, I feel like Same. Illinois is probably going to score double digits and Michigan's going to top 30 pretty easily. So I would take the over on that one, honestly. Yeah, I'd say three touchdowns. They'll win by something around Yeah, there. Yeah, so Mich- I take Michigan on the points and I take the over on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next up for the noon slot, we've got number four TCU at Baylor, who are only two and a half point underdogs. Uh, team total 57. Uh, the crazy thing about this is that I don't really know what to make of Baylor this season. Like they have, they've played really well at times and then they have just had some absolute clunkers of games and just have stunk. Yeah. They're, uh, it's, it's the same as the other team. They, they lost to Kansas state last week, right? 31, three yeah. or something like that. Like, yeah, the, the two yeah. of them are the blown out. The, yeah. The, well, and it's like, they're either blowing out or getting blown out. There's no in between. They're yeah, all I just, beating each other up. Yeah, I mean, Big 12, ton of parity, obviously, because they have, like, four or five other teams that can make the Big 12 championship at this point. But, like, it really just depends on which Baylor team shows up. Like, if Dave Aranda can get his guys up and can get him get them ready for a battle, a defensive battle with TCU, <laughs> then they could win this game. Like, I would not be shocked to see them win this game. Um if he can't get them up, though, this it could get ugly real quick. Yeah, TCU. I mean, I I don't think I, I don't think they're gonna have any trouble scoring on Baylor. That's that's no. my problem. Uh, yeah, they just might be able to hold their... him. Yeah, might be able to hold him like thirty five or something like that. Yeah, I just don't trust this defense. This Baylor defense. I don't know. Yeah, the the front four is like really really strong, but then yeah. once you get past that, I think they just struggle a little bit. Right. Yeah, and. TCU has proven that they can put points up and they can they can get yardage through the air or the ground. So um, I am taking TCU as the spread favorite for, for our down with the pickness. Um, are you in on this game at all for that? Yeah, I got I got TCU straight up. Money line? Okay. Yeah, I'm not oh, scared. Not, not playing the spread on that one? No, even though it's only two and a half. I mean, it's just like... yeah, it's it's a low spread, but I mean, I think it, and I think that just does speak to Baylor, just being a very very volatile team. Yeah, I I got a big spread. How about that? The big spread, okay. <laughs> yeah, for my uh, my spread. Okay, we'll tell. We'll oh, okay. Yeah, I see. I see yeah, it we'll, on our we'll, we'll get to now. that in a little bit. Yeah, a couple games down the line, but uh, let's move on really quickly to a couple three thirty games here. Uh, first game, uh, Miami at Clemson, who are nineteen point favorites at home. The uh, team total forty eight point or total points for the game, not team total forty eight. Uh, this is going to be three thirty on ESPN. Um, yeah, talk about another disappointing team for what were some pretty high expectations going into the season. Uh, Miami was ranked in the top fifteen in to start the year off, and they have just been bad. Yeah, watch them win this week, though. I would like it would be funny. It would be funny if they won this week, honestly, because that would all but knock the ACC out of the playoff. Yeah, they um they cleaned up last week, so they've got a chance to still make a bowl game. I mean, it'd be a not a good one, but I mean, yeah, it'd be 
it'd be scraping in with you know the Kansases and uh, yeah, even lower than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the Michigan States. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> yeah, send me, I mean, send me to the little Caesars Bowl, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Greek town. Let's go. Big big time in it. Um, but yeah, I mean they're just bad. Like uh, Josh Gaddis has not done a good job with Tyler Van Dyke this season. Uh, when he was brought in, you know he won the. Uh, I can't remember the name of the award right now. Is it the Broyles Award for the best assistant coach? Yes. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. He won that last year. And everybody, a lot of people were thinking that he would be kind of the hot hire for Miami there. Uh, helped buoy their recruiting class pretty well. And just with dropping a lot of these dud games, obviously they are starting to see some cracks in that class right now in terms of 2023 recruiting. Jaden Rashada flipped to Florida. Just a week or that two was, ago, that was surprising when that happened. Huge flip. Um, yeah, I think so. From what it sounded like, listening to some of the two four seven guys, uh, it sounds like they weren't surprised that he decommitted. It was more the immediate commit to Florida that yeah. was the shock there. But I mean, they've they've got a lot of really talented players that a lot of other schools are still gunning for. Like Cormani McLean committed to Miami. He was a pretty recent commit there, and Florida was very much in that one. Obviously, Alabama looking too. Like they they are having to play some defense, I think, to keep some of these guys in the class with how bad this team has looked this year. Yeah, it doesn't matter as long as they can uh, keep all those O line commits and then just. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like that. That's the big one. Like, especially um, Chris, Crystal Ball, he's always been pretty good at evaluating O line talent. So, like he he's got to be able to keep those guys. If if they get blown out. Maybe not getting blown out to Clemson is going to do it, but if they lose next weekend, like that could be hugely detrimental to their class. I um, I saw something the other day. They haven't had a like a nine or ten win season since like two thousand seven. Like, and it's it's hard to believe that. I hate to but, see it. Yeah, um, it sounds like TBD is just done. Tyler Van Dyke's done. Like, really? Yeah. I I don't know what happened. Like. <laughs> He had first round hype, man. It's it's crazy. Some of these guys that had first round hype, and not even just like the Phil Dracovics, who like kind of had first round hype, but not necessarily the most serious. But like Will Levis, Tyler Van Dyke, like these guys had legitimate first round like top ten hype. Yeah, it just sounds sounds like Gaddis sounds like Gaddis is just running like a spread offense now, like spread option. I yeah, they're blowing my mind. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like you, if you want to get you guys in your system, but man, that's one of those things where if you have a guy that plays better with a different style of ball, and he's a guy that has the traits and has the tools that Van Dyke has, you, you kind of want to just be able to adjust your shit instead of expecting him to adjust to you. Right. Yeah, but I mean, Clemson's a 19-point favorite. I know Clemson's offense has been relatively anemic compared to what we're used to, but. I honestly just don't have any faith in Miami to <laughs> to put up points. So I I honestly that's a lot of points. Like it's three that's a three three touchdown spread there. I might take Miami and the points there, but I don't feel great about it. I could um yeah, I could take the points and the under. I don't really see this being like a high scoring game. Yeah, I don't see Clemson winning I mean nineteen points. That would be that'd just be like twenty one to I don't know. That'd be like twenty-seven to eleven or some shit like that. Like that, I don't. I I don't see it. Uh, yeah, realistically, like thirty-five ten, probably. Yeah. Like I mean, like or like thirty-one to, yeah, thirty-one yeah. thirteen, something like that, around there. Yeah, yeah. I just I have a hard time believing that Clemson's going to score that many. Honestly. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. So, Let's. Uh... Yeah, Miami. The points take the under there. Uh, next up is the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs, facing the Kentucky Wildcats, who are 22-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. Uh, total points, 48-and-a-half. This one's going to be at 3.30 on CBS. This is the one that gets uh, the, the big game for CBS. So that just tells you what kind of slate we're looking at down south, huh? Yeah, tough week on uh... – <laughs> So, I don't know what to call this. It's usually a SoCon Saturday. Like everyone's yeah. playing like Samford and teams like that, uh, cleaning up against your, you know, FCS opponents. Bakery week. Just everybody getting your cupcakes out of the way. Yeah, I mean, well, and unfortunately Georgia. I mean, they they, they get Tech next week. So 
Yeah, if they <laughs> classic rivalry, uh, not necessarily a good game at this point. But Kentucky, like we already talked about, you know, the quarterback disappointments for this year. But like Kentucky, they, I mean, it's a basketball school. They've done a very good job with what they can work with. Um, are they? <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> no, they just lost to Michigan State on Tuesday. <laughs> hey, Michigan State's. Uh, I mean, yeah. They listen, rough. listen. All right, I'm gonna pivot to basketball because I'm. Yep. Excited. Go ahead. I did not think we would be performing this well right now, but I don't know if the team's gonna get any better than it is right now. Because uh, yeah. they lost to Gonzaga by one on last Friday, and then they just beat Kentucky, double overtime. Yeah. Playing well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, if they can keep this up, I'll I'll be thrilled. It's nice to have at least one of the teams like playing really well. So like basketball, you know what you're you know what you're gonna get with basketball. You're gonna yeah. be at least at least five hundred. You'll be a, at least a seven seed in the tournament. Like yeah, it's all good. You'll, they'll make it work. Um, but yeah, Kentucky like just really kind of fell off a cliff this season too. Didn't necessarily start off that hot either. Like they were just you were kind of there were warning signs from the jump pretty much. <laughs> Called it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's been bad. Levis is playing himself way down in the draft. He should just uh, sit at this point. Like, I mean, yeah, honestly, come back. sit. Yeah, not not sit out of the draft. Just like ankle injury, throw it his yeah. pro day, and that'll be it. Uh, Chris yeah. Rodriguez. I, I so th- this is my my spread of the week. I'm, I'm taking Georgia with the points. Like, I don't blame you one bit. Uh, Pretty much every year. I mean, like this game ends up being a 28 35 point win for Georgia. Like, I don't I don't see Kentucky keeping it close. Chris Rodriguez is not gonna be to be able to run the ball. Levis won't be Kentucky, able to throw the ball. Yeah, Kentucky's all line's awful. Yeah, I mean well that's the other thing. Levis is getting sacked like four or five times a game. Yeah, it's not all his fault by any means, but like he's also not doing himself any favors. No, it's you know, sacks, fumbles, picks, like so if you yeah. if you're throwing picks, that means I mean, like, you're just not making your reads. Like, I mean, hopefully someday you can learn that, but. Right. Yeah. I'm, it's, not, I'm not sure. I, I'd tell you on that one. I, I, I would definitely take uh, Georgia there and probably the over as well. I feel like Georgia could definitely pour it on. Uh, yeah, they might not, but who knows? I, I feel pretty comfortable with it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got some evening games. We First up, we've got Bedlam. So number 22, Oklahoma State is going to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is seven and a half point favorite. So touchdown favorite at home. Uh, Got to be feeling pretty good about that if you're the Sooners. Total point 66, which, uh, you know, obviously we're back to Big 12 ball. Oklahoma State's defense has not been what they were last year by any means, which, you know, they lost Knowles. Um, that we kind of thought that that would happen. We weren't sure how big the drop off was going to be, and it turned out to be a pretty decent drop off. I think it. I think it might be more the guys they lost. Like, yeah, uh, than Knowles, but yeah. I mean, that's uh, obviously the talent that they lost to like the draft and everything like that, that hurts as well. Um, but then Oklahoma, who's obviously been had their fair share of struggles this year as well, not great. Uh, is Oklahoma bowl eligible? I would assume so, right? I do think they are bowl eligible. Yes, um, they they're ninth in the Big Twelve, though they're uh, they're not not great for what you are with the Sooners. They're five and five, so they are not bowl eligible yet. Holy shit! Yeah, that'd be something. Yeah, uh, their last game is Texas, their last game's Texas Tech, so I think they will end up being bowl eligible regardless of how this game goes. But if they miss a bowl in Venable's first season, like they. It's, again, this could be detrimental for recruiting purposes. Yeah. I, I feel like it's already, like, you know, never the best recruiting classes, but still really high up there. Yeah. Um, I heard talking about big the Big 12 preview, though. Like, they've – their over win total was, like, nine and a half, and they've hit ten wins, like, I don't know, like the 14 out of the last 15 years. Like, they, they just win. Very consistent, so, yeah. Yeah. This is uh, – this is – Kind of been shocking, but yeah, Venables, Lincoln. Venable's got a lot of shit to figure it out. Um, you know, Jeff Levy, obviously not. I don't feel like he's really panning out as the OC for them. Um, well, the first like first like three weeks, it was all yeah, they were, all gravy. Yeah, I mean, they also, I mean, they didn't necessarily have the best uh, 
the best opponents there in those first three yeah. weeks, though. They played uh they played UTEP, Kent State, and then Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which uh a... you know, shout out Spomer, but that was right in the middle of Nebraska being really, really, really bad. Um Nebraska's fucking AIDS. You uh you lose to them, it's just all downhill from there. Like it's like a yeah, not good. Can't get can't get much worse than that. Um so I mean Denison being seven and a half point favorites, that's tough. Honestly, I don't know which way I lean on this one, uh, in terms of who I think is gonna win. I'm not I'm not touching that, but I know this game always ends up being just you know, just 42 or 35 scoring, yeah. or like you know, 45, 40. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm just taking I'm I'm taking the over. I'm taking the points. I'm with you. I'd take the over on that one, and I'd feel pretty good about that. Uh, if I had to pick one, I would maybe take Oklahoma State to win this one. Um, I do think they are in less of in less disarray than Oklahoma is. Uh, so, I mean, they just lost to they just lost to West Virginia last week. Like, they're on a two game losing streak. They lost they lost to Baylor and West Virginia. I j- I don't see it happening. Yeah, I was um at that wedding. I saw one of my buddies. I was. He's a big WVU guy. That was the first time they've ever beat Oklahoma. I know they've only been playing each other really like whatever ten years, but still first time. Yeah, first time ever. Sheesh. Neil Brown saving his job? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, I would probably take Oklahoma State on this, but I don't feel comfortable enough to, you know, lay money down on it or anything like that. So uh this next one that we've got up here is some Pac-12 action. This is probably going to end up being like the quote-unquote best game of the slate just because these are two teams that still technically have a chance. UCLA maybe not, but it's number 17, number 7 USC going to number 16 UCLA who are two-and-a-half-point dogs. Um, This one's going to be at 8 p.m. on Fox. Obviously, there are a lot of Pac-12 playoff, Pac-12 implications and playoff implications in general. Um, USC is basically their only chance at the playoff. Yeah, um, yeah, it's probably the game of the week. I think the Utah Oregon game will probably be better, but yeah, this one matters more. Yeah, Pac-12 has actually got a pretty good slate this week, but uh, uh, really, the USC UCLA game is the one that has the most stakes. UCLA probably really, really looking forward to trying to be a spoiler for USC season. Yes, I I would think so very much. Yeah, is this, this a trophy? Is it, do they play for a trophy? I don't, I don't know. I don't, so, right? I don't know if they play for a trophy. What I do know is that this is one of the uh, the best uniform games out uh-huh. there. Like this, yeah. This they both wear the, is... they both wear their uh, their homes, right? Yep, they do. Okay, yeah. This is a trophy game. It's uh, it's the victory bell. <clears throat> How big is it? Uh, it looks pretty big. It's uh, it's got its own little. Uh, I mean, it looks like a uh, tr- like an actual like train bell. It's uh, yeah, it looks pretty big. It's got its own little carriage that's got uh, that just wheeled around on. So, it looks like it stands about like hip height. So, probably a couple hundred pounds there. I can't wait to run through all the uh, trophies next week. Trophy games are so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, I so yeah. I, I, Division divisions don't matter. North South doesn't matter. Apparently not. I just pulled this up, and yeah, <clears throat> it's it's looking like the standings. It doesn't matter. Whereas I, I feel like I've been looking at it all year, and it, it has. So yeah. So uh, apparently there, it's basically going to be either Utah or Oregon at this point for the uh, the Pac-12. I think is what everybody's projecting between uh, whoever's going to play USC out of that. So that game is basically going to decide it. Oregon hasn't played USC, right? No, they don't play them in the regular season this year. But but then, so they all three of those teams have one loss, and Utah already beat USC. So what's to stop Oregon from playing Utah again? Uh, oh, I guess I guess they're gonna huh. beat each other this week. They're gonna beat. Doesn't each other Utah? Utah has two losses. I guess one conference loss though. One conference loss. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's our next yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I'm I'm taking the over on this UC USC UCLA game. Uh. Team total or the total points is 76. I feel like this is going to be a pretty high flying, not a whole lot of defense game. We've already talked ad nauseum about how bad USC's defense is, and uh, UCLA's defense uh, didn't look all that great last week, let's just say. Um, so I, I feel pretty, pretty good about taking the over on that one. Yeah, I'm worried about uh, them killing clock. 
I think UCLA runs the ball a ton and USC doesn't really stop the run. So it could be some some long drives, but that's if they air it out, I mean, yeah, it's over. Yeah, I mean, if USC ends up jumping out to a lead or anything like that, then US, UCLA is going to have to end up throwing the ball to keep up. But uh, I'm rooting for UCLA. That's for damn sure. I don't know if they're going to win that one, though. I, I think yeah, so, 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 wait, 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 wait. You'd rather have UCLA win now and then you can't, like, crush their dreams next week? I mean, I just want USC to lose. It doesn't matter what week it is. Um, <laughs> right. If uh, just just stomping on them at when they're down also sounds good to me. So, um, but if 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 they, if they won this week, then you got USC Notre Dame. They're like they're like talking playoffs. Like, oh yeah, I mean that that one might. That's tough. Obviously, the game day game is probably is going to be Michigan Ohio State, but uh, that that'd be a fun one too. Notre Dame might end up cracking the top 15, depending on how things shake out ahead of them. So that would be a top 15 matchup between two teams. So yeah, that one, that one could be pretty fun. It could get a little buzz, but uh, I, I do think USC is probably going to end up winning this game. It just feels um, like they, yeah. they have the more potent offense. So, and it does sound like uh, Jordan Addison is back. So that that's helps. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, is that's, that, that is big. Yeah. So yeah. next game we've got, our last game is uh, Utah, Oregon. Talked a little bit about that one already. Number ten, Utah going to Eugene, who are two point underdogs in this one with the uh, the total points set at sixty here. This one's going to start at ten thirty, so this is this is your Pac twelve after dark action here, and they saved they made it a good one at least. Yes, yeah, so late. Yeah, <laughs> this game won't be over till at least two o'clock. Oh, I, yeah, both offenses are gonna just keep on throwing it at each other. Oregon's defense, not good. Um, they could not get Washington off the field last week. No, like it, they just didn't matter. They couldn't. That game felt like it went for like five hours. It was long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like Utah on this one. I do think Utah's defense is better. I think they're going to probably be able to do a little bit better job at stopping Oregon once or twice, getting him enough points to, to win the game there. Um, I do think it'll probably it'll probably go over sixty for the total points there. Uh, if Utah's able to clamp down for whatever reason, though, then it could get ugly real quick. No, I was going to say I think it might end up uh, being Utah getting out quick and then just running the ball game. I, uh, if Oregon can't I, stop them, then they're going to be able to kill clock really effectively. Listen, they are like literally like almost dead last in third down defense. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, their passing defense and the third down defense are just atrocious. So, yeah. I like Utah on this one. Um, total, I lean over. Don't feel great about it, though. Yeah, I'm with you. That's, that's right. fine. So, that's the last game there. Uh, we've got a few other picks for our down with the pickness section here, and I'll let you go first, actually, because you, you have fewer than I do. So, we'll save it. We'll save mine for last. So, what, what do you got for the rest of your slate here? Yeah, I got Texas Tech on the road uh, going to Ames. It's got, uh, I, I'm taking the under, 47 and a half. Uh, mainly, this, this is going to be a night game, and it's set to be one of the coldest ever games played in FBS football. Uh, I think it's gone up a little bit to like maybe like 18 degrees, but at, at, uh, a couple of days ago, they were they were checking it was going to be 13 degrees, which would be the coldest game ever. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not jealous of the fans' names who have to sit through that. That's uh, does not sound like a ton of fun, honestly. Nope, but yeah. uh, I like that under. I, li- I like that under with the weather being a pretty big factor there. If Texas, Texas Tech can't throw the ball, Iowa State can't score, so yeah, 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 that could that, that under could hit by, by quite a few points, honestly, if things go poorly enough there, yeah, but um. After that, looking at Kansas, Texas, I mean, they, it just feels like they beat them every year at this point. So, uh, taking Kansas in the points, uh, Love it. nine. And then, uh, last one, got Arizona. They're, uh, they win this one. They've got a chance to, uh, beat Arizona State and be bowl eligible, which would be honestly just huge for them. So, uh, I could see them winning a shootout against Washington State as well. Yeah. That so, one, I, I like that one a lot. And you got to wonder when the last time it was that Arizona, Duke, and Kansas all made a bowl. Like, I feel like it ha- It feels like it has to have been quite a while. Probably never. It might not be. But yeah, I, I, this, 
this is gonna be the first time like all those North Carolina schools have ever made a bowl in the same year. Oh no, kidding! Wow, I think so. Yeah, I think like Wake, NC, NC State, and Duke. Like they, one of them usually sucks at least. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty sweet though. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Jed Fish. We've talked about what a good job he's been doing building this program up, and we are you're actually seeing results on the field. Like huge upset last week last weekend against UCLA. They got a chance to pull off another upset here, and then. I've I don't I haven't looked at the spread or haven't seen what the line is for next weekend against Arizona State, but I'm taking Arizona. I'm feeling uh, really good about that. Yeah, they gotta win this one. If they could go to a bowl, that'd be that'd be good. That'd be sick. Yeah. yeah, I like all those. Though, yeah. Nice picks. So mine, I'm gonna start with the money line dog, and I am going to uh, go back to the Notre Dame coaching tree. I'm gonna take Duke at plus two fifty. My boy Mike Elko. He's uh, he's got Duke playing playing out of their minds like they you know they're seven and five i want to say and just have had a really really good run in his first uh in his first year here as a head coach and they're playing a pit team that has just frankly been of disappointment like yeah, they, I, mean, I, I like the pit hasn't pit hasn't been good so i think duke can go into pittsburgh and, and get a win out of that one yeah i agree uh, yeah my spread dog is uh boston college plus 20 and a half um, they are playing the Notre Dame Fighting Irish this week, and uh, I don't know if you guys have looked and seen how Notre Dame does against these bad teams, but it's not good. They lost to Stanford and Marshall. They barely squeaked one out against Cal. They held on against fucking Navy. So 20 and a half feels like a lot of points just based on what we've seen. And you just got to have kind of have to ask yourself how many times we're going to have to do this and give Notre Dame the benefit of the doubt here. Um, Cause they haven't necessarily earned it. So taking Boston college on that one uh, against the spread. So um, yeah. Yeah. You're, not, you're good. You're not a fan of that one or I, I don't love it, but I, yeah, it's, I kind of, I, I agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> It's just t- like Notre Dame, obviously, significantly more talented than Boston College, and it's senior day. Like, this should not be an issue. But yeah. just having sat through all of these games this season, the games that shouldn't have been an issue have been the ones that are an issue. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a team that fucking blew out Clemson and then proceeded to win by three against Navy. Like, it, it does not make sense this year. So, yeah, give me Boston College and the points there, at least. Um, my money line favorite is actually Louisville. Uh, really like what the cards have done after a pretty rocky start to the season. Obviously, they didn't do all that great against Hunson this past week, but uh, got a really nice bounce-back opportunity here against NC State. And uh, NC State quarterback room not looking too great right now. Devin Leary obviously out for the season with an injury that he had uh, – I think he's had surgery on it. And backup not doing too great either there. So uh, give me Louisville on that one. And then my last one is the under – and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go back to the well, go back to old reliable. Give me Iowa, whatever game Iowa's playing. They're playing Minnesota this week. The under's 32 and a half. Big Ten garbage. This is gonna be such a bad game. Um, yeah, under 32 and a half for Iowa mini. Uh, mini. Honestly, I don't like any of the unders this week. Like none of them feel great. But if I'm gonna pick one, I'm gonna pick one where we've seen an Iowa offense struggle. And where we've seen Minnesota also be very inconsistent. Um, yeah, I mean, good for you. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, you can say you disagree with this one. I, I can tell. No, I, I, I really don't. <laughs> it's like I can definitely I see. Uh, I can definitely see Minnesota scoring, you know, twenty four, and Iowa scoring seven. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like this pick, but it's like, I mean, I, I like your under. I, I. I could see that one happening as well. Um, I would say on the score. Yeah, yeah. I. Speaking of which, they've uh, they've revamped the uh, what do they call it? The Cybol, I guess El Asico. So that oh, they they, ex- they extended yeah. it. Awesome. Yeah, five more years. Love it. Great game. Go. I Great think it was seven ten this year. Under under lock. That's just your under lock of the year every year. Um, but yeah, no, I again don't feel great about any of these unders. If I'm going to pick one, I'm going to pick Iowa though, just because they they have not earned the benefit of the doubt there either. So uh, that's it for my slate. 
So you got anything else for us before we head into this weekend here? No, I'm ready for Thanksgiving. Yeah, you and me both. Thanksgiving is going to be feast week and then uh, rivalry weekend. It's going to be a lot of football. And it's going to be awesome. I'm so looking yeah. forward to it. So we'll let you guys go for the evening, though. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at TNTCFEPod. Uh, make sure to join the Discord as well. Chop it up with us. The link is in our Twitter bio. Uh, feel free to like, share, rate, subscribe, and review the pod. We are always listening for feedback. And feel free to send us mailbag questions as well. Might try to get a mailbag question after the conference championships uh, while we got a little bit of a break before bowls start. So be on the lookout for that. And then, uh, yeah, last little bit, don't tweet at recruits. Yep, don't tweet them. There are going to be uh, a lot of official visits and unofficial visits these next two weekends. Uh, just leave them alone. Let them enjoy their Thanksgiving. And let them enjoy their visits at these awesome games. So good night, everybody. Go Irish. Go Green. Go green.